from the Comedy Zone at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast and email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Spencer Taylor. Welcome to the Comedy Zone Podcast. It's great being right back at you this week. Uh, we do not have Spencer Taylor with us this week. We have a very special guest filling in because Spencer is on assignment. Oh. Uh, yeah, we got the one and only Johnny Millwater in Hi the building. Hi, everybody. I'm Johnny. I'll be playing the part of Spencer Taylor this week because uh, she's on assignment. <laughs> on, on assignment for the Comedy Zone Podcast. We have her... Uh, Overseas, yeah, well you, yeah, She's we got that kind of budget. Undercover for Al Qaeda right now. We're doing some deep journalistic reporting. Yeah, she's for the got comedy some stuff zone. For us. <laughs> assignment <laughs> really she's she's uh cleaning up diapers she's a nanny uh so the boy is out of school or something so she's got to be away from us and deal with him for well that's an assignment that counts it kind of does you're gonna find yourself in some shit whether you overseas <laughs> or whether she's here either way <laughs> it's kind of the same well it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here i'm excited about it yeah yeah we're excited to have you man so so you uh for those listening that don't know uh, johnny performs all over the country at this point you've been to all 50 states all 50 comedy. states yes all 49 real states and alaska that's I've right to, i've been uh, doing stand-up comedy for 20 years wow and uh, this is the first time your listeners have ever heard of me it's a very sweet day now is this, this your is first... my first exposure to a national audience that's what i was gonna ask is yeah. this your first podcast this is my first podcast Whoa. i'm excited i've done a couple interviews here and there but it's the first time uh, co-hosting one wow I'm glad i get to do it with such a good friend in my favorite city charlotte north carolina absolutely man we are happy to pop your podcast cherry ah, right there's here gotta on be air. another way of telling that that's <laughs> wow i was just gonna talk for a while i only speak one language and that's awkward so that's... <laughs> i am fluent <laughs> fluent and awkward yes so so how's your week been going man you had any shows this week what's what's been oh going no on no this week it's been uh i've had this week off actually it's been great mostly family time i had oh, good. Uh, yeah yeah my uh, son had his uh preschool graduation whoa yeah pre-k graduation okay. so the rest of his life will be Post K, he's done that. He's made it. So how did he handle it? Was he excited? Or he was, was it? excited. He, he struggled a little bit with the speech. Okay. okay. Uh, but uh, Hillary Clinton came in and did, did a couple of minutes there. That was nice. She talked about the importance of not peeing in your pants. That's right. Uh, Critical. Yeah. No, he you know got the cap and the gown. He did a little speech. He spelled his name. It's a delightful story. Oh, now did your daughter come along to see this? Uh, no, no. Well, she, she's at one. the same. She's also she's further pre K. She's okay. uh, she's turning one tomorrow. As a oh, matter of fact. Oh, well, happy pre. I don't know what it is for pre. I know belated. Uh, yeah, pre-birthday's fine. Pre-birthday. Happy yeah, pre-birthday. Absolutely. Dear. So she's yeah, she's turning one and she's uh we're getting along great. She still doesn't talk, which I love. Well, well, she looks just like you. That helps. Well, I mean, thank she you has your yes, that. Whenever I see her, I'm my like My daughter looks just you, like me. Yeah, you don't need a test for her. Yes. She's very clear. No more needed. She for looks just like you. For those who haven't seen me, I look exactly like a female infant. <laughs> That's, right. Uh, yeah, you look like her. Yes, that's, that's she doesn't fair. Look like I you. get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my hook. Well, uh, uh, speaking of um, young ladies, man, I I uh, I went back home uh, did you really? this past weekend, and part of what I did was I attended. Uh, my sister was her prom. Mm -hmm. It was her prom. Where's weekend. home again? Uh, Chester, Pennsylvania. So just oh, outside of wonderful. Philadelphia. Yeah. But she lives in like Philadelphia, Philadelphia mm -hmm. area. So. We went up there, and I already had my speech set out for the young man. Okay. Because, see, she she has a twin brother. Okay. Now, the boy, you don't have to say much to. No. You know, when he goes to the prom, I'm like, look, don't get anybody pregnant. 
Call me tomorrow. Her, <laughs> we we got to have a much longer conversation, and we have to have a conversation with the young man taking my sister out. Yeah. So I had this all set up, but the problem was I started pre-gaming okay. the prom, so I drank early. Oh. Yeah, I started around noon. Lost a little bit of your edge. I lost a whole lot of my edge. Did, did the speech lose its focus? It, I felt like I was more aggressive than I would have been. Well, that's really, if you're going to err, err on the side air of aggression. Err on the side of aggression, You want right? to scare the man. I mean, I you knew, gotta... Well, I knew I was off to a bad start when the boy was sitting with his mama, and I just grabbed his hand and yanked him off the couch. Wow. And his mom looked at me like, <gasps> and I said, I'm taking him in the basement. Give us a minute. And Did, that, did they know you were coming? And his she house? had no idea. No, no, no okay. one knew anything. So you just popped up behind the couch. I just came out stranger, like a ninja. Yeah. Uh, just drunk. Just Grabbed stranger, him by the arm. Grabbed him by the arm and yanked him downstairs. That is intimidating. That is intimidating because she didn't know what was going to happen. Wow. Yeah. So it's a good I, way to get shot. It, it's a good If I had not been drinking, I would have thought of that. <laughs> but I, I just cautioned to the wind. So I, I took the boy downstairs. And my first question to him was, uh, who's your favorite author? I like hitting him out of the box. Because, wow. you know, if he doesn't read, he can't be with my sister. And I think that also establishes that you're not a robber. That's true. No, no, no it's violent ask cra- about the crime books. has ever started with who's your favorite author. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Give, me, give me your money, bitch. So he's like, at least I'm not going to get raped author? and robbed. I know right. that because yeah. he wouldn't be asking me about my wow. literature. But who was his favorite author? Mark Twain. All right. Which well, there was you go. a solid gold answer. Not bad. So this boy's off to a good start. Okay. But I had a, I had a couple more things for him, right? Because he said Mark Twain, and I like that. Mm-hmm. But then he goes, he tried to like do a judo move and counterattack my attack. Because then he looks at me and try to butter me up, and then he goes, "You're the comedian, right?" And I said, "Uh, yeah, but it ain't shit funny about what's about to happen down here. Wow. So don't don't even try to hit me with the butter me up and then ease me into liking you. You're gonna earn it, okay? Right?" So I counted his thing, good. And I said, so then I asked him. Uh, I like to ask these young men questions that there's no good answer to. Ah. That's my one tactic to see how they handle themselves. Like, what are you doing after the prom? There's no good answer. There's to that. no good answer. Right. What's another example? What, what, what was the first well, the one, trick the, question? The one, the one I hit him with was, uh, "My sister's got a nice body, doesn't she?" Whoa. First of all, Whoa. he's like, "Wow, why is her brother? Is this incestual? What is this?" Whoa, he's got to call a lawyer. Right. <laughs> Off the top. Mm. Then, even with the question, because what does he say? No. So you saying my sister's ugly? Ah. Uh. He said, "No, no, no. Yes, she does." So he's just staring at her ass. Which is it? And he just he froze. He froze. Cold-hearted, Will. Yeah, yeah. He froze, and then finally he said, uh, I'm just looking forward to a good time. Mm-hmm. I said, that's okay. I said, okay, that's pretty good. And then my third thing was I had to give him a warning. I said, I've already talked to the DJ at the prom. Talk to the DJ. So don't expect no slow shit. It's no not going to be no booty grabbing, mu- no booty grabbing music. I, I think you might have overstepped your bounds. I think, well. <laughs> when, when you go hit the DJ, <laughs> yeah, right. come here. Come well, here. I told him. I'm What's your DJ. favorite author? <laughs> exactly. I told no slow the boy, music. I'm sitting right next to the DJ. When you get there, I'll be next to the <laughs> DJ booth. Okay? And if I'll tell him, speed the shit up. Play happy, Pharrell. You play happy 50 straight times for this prom. I'm no. going to be there undercover, bright red dress, right. wig. You won't know it's me. You, you Ain't nobody here getting pregnant. <laughs> you might have some drunk car crashes, but you will, will not be no pregnancies tonight. So I tell them, speed, speed the shit up. No R. Kelly or I've Trey, got my spies in every hotel in this town. John, I was ready. Wow. I was ready. Wow. But it all, it all went well. And uh, she went to the prom and had a good time, and everybody got home safe, and nobody came home pregnant. So, my so as far as you know, you won't know for months. Well, that's true. That's true. And, and for all I know, he could take off. I don't you know. You could what's have asked, happen. "What's your favorite condom?" <laughs> I think that would. Now, if he had an answer to that, right? There's right. A, there's a trick question. Yeah, I had to whoop his ass if he'd said, "Yeah, oh, magnums." Don't you? 
There's pop. probably an ass whooping answer to the author right. question too. That there's there's an ass whooping answer to every question. <laughs> if you even if you answer right and you look at me a certain way, I'm gonna jump over the damn table either way with with her. So. Now, now, did you go to your prom? Oh man, John, my prom was it, it was uh it ended up being okay, but it started off terrible yeah. uh, because my date canceled on me. Oh yeah, that was my prom. How much man. notice? Uh, that day. Did you keep the deposit? I didn't. Well, the thing was, I won this little essay contest, so my prom was free. Oh. And then, uh, so I we go to pick her up. Okay, hold on. And, wait, 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 wait. Uh huh. I'm sorry. Yeah. You won an essay contest, mm-hmm. so your prom date was free. No, no. My I won an essay contest, ah. so the limo and all that sort oh, of stuff. Oh, the whole evening. Yeah, was I won free. this writing. What contest. was the essay about? I think I wrote an essay about uh, what my city means to me, or something okay. like that. And I wrote a bunch. And of then it. they decided to pay for your prom. They decided they got me a limo. I didn't take the limo though, because it looked like a hearse. They got my limo from a <laughs> funeral home. <laughs> they did. I said I don't want that boxy shit. So I wanted. I rented a Camry. Okay. <laughs> I don't want a boxy look. Boxy bullshit limo. limo. Let's get a really cool Camry. Yeah, I want a cool Camry. And a stretch. Was it a stretch Camry? Was it? Was it? Uh, no, it was just a regular rims? old Camry. It might have had a tape deck. It was. <laughs> it was a very average Camry. I've never heard an essay contest related to. A pro- okay, so I can, I'm picturing this. Okay. So, so we we uh, but my date canceled on me, and uh, my father went to check on her mm-hmm. at her house, and the mother came to the door and said she we never said she could go to this prom. So she had been telling. I mean, Johnny, she described a dress. Okay. And there was never a dress. There was never a dress. No, she so just she was made just all lying the, stuff. the whole time. So I wouldn't go with anybody else. Twisted. Twisted. I see that taught me a lot about women early. Wow. Oh, well, they can really mess with and you. And your father went to her house? And my dad went to her house, and she told him all this. Yeah. Every element of this story sounds wrong. Yeah. A lot of things went wrong. Because the thing was, she was late. Because she was supposed to you know, come and meet us at my aunt's house. Okay. And she was late. So my dad said, let me go over and check and see what the problem all is. Right. And then the problem was, she was never coming. That Ooh. was the problem. Ooh. So I'm standing in the shower, tearing up, man. I'm like, what am I going to do? Then my one of my older aunts go, I'll go with you. I'm not coming to the prom with a 50-year-old woman. You can forget it, okay? I'm not the Salvation Army, all right? <laughs> this is not a Goodwill situation. I'm not no charity case, okay? And then my cousin tells me, well, I have a friend. One of my friends might want to come with you. I said, what did I just tell you? I'm not no giveaway, okay? If I, I'm just not going. But then the friend that she mentioned was one I had had a crush on. So I said, I'm going to rethink my Jackpot. position. Yeah. I said, I think we can do this. Yeah. So then I went and her friend, she's older than me. So I took her friend and her friend still fit her dress from like 10 years before. Well, that works out. So, yeah. So all of a sudden I'm the guy at the prime with an older woman mm-hmm. and everybody thought I was the coolest dude in the world. In a Camry. Oh, in a Camry. Pulled up in the Camry. Nice. Stepped out with her. And then all the guys were like, oh, Will, is that your girl? And I said, listen, man, I'll talk about it on Monday. Just, yeah. I'm just trying to have a good time tonight. I treated them like paparazzi the whole night. You know, My like, come tonight. on. Just, let me enjoy the evening. All right. You know, so I did all that and had a great time, man. But it started off terribly. So my sister and brother had a much better, uh, smoother prom than I did. Well, I'm glad to hear that. What about you? That's How did your prom break. go? Ah, uh, no, nah, I I, uh, I didn't even enter the essay contest. Did I, didn't you know. didn't I just saved up and I had to buy tickets. I found a date. And I, I also had a bad experience. I, I am, uh, what's the word, incompetent with women. I still don't understand. I only have to understand one of them now, and I'm still struggling. <laughs> and uh, at the time, I, I had a similar experience in that there were lies that were told. I, mm. I, I uh, invited this nice girl. And uh, her name was Molly, and I picked her up at her house, mm-hmm. and uh, we had talked weeks before, and I thought, like, you know, big date, get the tuxedo, get the limo, the whole thing. Yeah. And between her front door 
and the limo, she said the word boyfriend 19 times. Whoa. Turns out she had a boyfriend for about a year at a different school that she never mentioned. Probably made up. I don't know for sure. Maybe right. it was a stupid looking tux that I should have put on pants. Whatever. But uh, yeah, so then it was just a weird, awkward, uh, don't touch me the entire night. Oh. Uh, expensive dinner with dance uh, with the arms straight like out. Like Frankenstein. Like, like Heisman. Just, just, you know, oh, just, my yeah, goodness. Full out, uh, yeah. Oh. Plus, uh, her favorite author was uh, Anne Rice. So fuck oh. that, right? As oh. it turned out, I was like, that, that was the worst part mm. when I found out Vampire. that kind of fluff. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So that was it, well. It seems like everybody's problem has those awkward kind of. I, I hear apparently people are getting pregnant. Things are going well for somebody. Man, these kids these days they getting pregnant and a lot. And see now they've changed the way they do proms because normally when the prom was over everybody might go to the beach or yeah. someplace and hang out. But now so many of these kids are driving off drunk mm-hmm. and getting in these car crashes. Oh yeah. That now they have an after prom. Yeah. So yeah. So with my sister's prom and my brother too, I keep saying it like it's just hers, but he went too. But uh, <laughs> but he's kids. some he's guy. Yeah, he's just some dude. I'm not even sure he's didn't even mind. get a dress. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. He's just a dude. Yeah. But they have an after thing now that goes to like four or five in the morning. Yeah. So they keep it at the school, mm-hmm. and then the kids go there and they have a barbecue and like a pool party right yeah. there at the school. I so played nobody... a couple of those. Have even, you done sometimes that they book comics for those. Really? Yeah. And it's a nightmare because because it's just a bunch of kids who are pretending to be drunk, pretending <laughs> not to be drunk. And uh, they're also very, very cool. So oh. unless you're cool, I'm not cool. You could probably pull it off because you're cool. But I am the opposite of cool. If you ever see my stand up, that's that should be my website. Opposite of cool, I think I have it. And uh, yeah, they just uh, stand there and judge quietly, oh. Oh. quietly, angrily. And how long are you up there in a the thing? Uh, like usually, this? it's uh, two comics, and it's just a regular show. It's like fifteen and forty-five. Sometimes you'll get hosting. Uh, where you'll you'll do for like five minutes between five or six different acts. Yeah. Uh, you know, a singer, and then a, and it's just always a nightmare for me. I've only oh. done like three or four back in the day. It's been a long time because wow. I'm not good at them. Well, well, I'll tell you what. I like. You do great, though. Good money. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. I wish I could. I should have did my sister's. I can stand there and exactly just just give them the eyeball. Yeah, just stand there and look the at them. Like, don't look. I see you under that water. Don't you even try to grab, you know. I'm, I'm yeah. everywhere. I'm like the wind. Don't try nothing. I, that, that's right. I'm everywhere you want to be. Who's I'm that? Watching Visa? you, Twain. Yeah, that's right. That ain't gonna work. So, but uh, yeah. So that that went well. Um, that went well. So now I'm back and uh, back in my regular routine. Good. Uh, I've been updating the audience uh, on my my boot camp. I'm in a weight loss boot camp. Yeah, I was just saying you you look ridiculous, Johnny. I've been trying to get it together, man. I got married and got big, man. You are in ridiculously good shape. You I, are. Uh, I you're, appreciate you're, you're that, a handsome man. fella, and on behalf of fat people, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, let's hear about your boot camp. I'm sure you could you could be prettier. We could all <laughs> do some more push ups or whatever. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is. You better Photoshop the picture you put on the website because this is. You, oh, Johnny, you're ridiculous. First of all, Johnny's being modest because you've been losing weight, man. I, I yeah, you've I, been losing weight. I had a heart attack when I was 33, so that was like Whoa. four years ago, and uh, I was about 290 pounds, mm-hmm. and now I've gone from uh, morbidly obese to fat ass. I've gone, I've gone from dangerously fat to unattractively fat with no boot camp. I did it on my own uh, through fear of death, which I highly recommend anybody. Fear at home. of death. Yeah, yeah, the Grim Reaper. Will really whip you into shape, boy. Uh, but apparently, so you're doing. You, you got a program that you're working on. I got a program that I've been working on. It started off with a three day green smoothie detox. Oh, those are good. I enjoy yeah, the green they, smoothies. That was these were not good. 
They all no. tasted like Scott's Turf Builder. I've been, yeah, it yeah. was bad. Like you could have sprayed but that on my lawn. They feel good. They, I felt yeah. lighter. I felt better, uh, and I was just a human Brita. Like everything flowed through me. So yeah. I spent a lot of time in the bathroom. I do, I do enjoy the the detoxes. Oh, yeah. But at, but yeah. but after I do the, enjoy the bathroom. Any excuse to be in there. You don't have kids, but uh, that's it's a little. I heard that's like a sanctuary. It is for guys with married dudes with kids. Yeah. Man. It's nice. You bring in a book. You got a little quiet time. Yeah. It's a shame that your body's going through what it's going through, but it, right. it's nice. You know, it's not bad. Well, I heard if you can't afford a man cave yet, you go bathroom is it'll do. It'll do. The men's room, man cave. Same <laughs> Public ones too, right? Or yeah, just the hot Absolutely. Oh, anyway, so you could be at a anyway, gas station. Yeah. We could find you anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kicking your feet up, reading a magazine or something. But the smoothies that fixed you up, you, they, they that's, man, that's how you started. I, that's how I started. So, and it's I like the way that he, that my trainer does it because you start off with three days of just this green stuff, mm-hmm. and then you start adding fruits and vegetables again. Oh, good. Yeah, and then you add uh, lean meats. Then you add lean meats. and uh, What, what not, exactly is a lean meat? Is it like chicken? Yeah, like no fatty stuff. So if it's chicken, it's chicken breast. Gotcha. Uh, seafood. Gotcha. You know, not a lot of pork and beef and stuff okay, like that. Okay, lean meat. Right. Lean meat. Yeah. Right. So, but then it's the opposite of the way most diets work. Because most diets, you're kind of eating whatever you want. And then they say, okay, cut all this stuff out. Okay. But see, when you do this detox thing, it's like after three days of just drinking that green stuff, you're so thankful to have anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, fruit and vegetables, let's get it. I, yeah, yeah. And then you eat those. It's like, man, a grape never tasted this good. This is the sweetest grape I've ever had. It's just because you haven't eaten anything. You're so mm-hmm. proud. You're just so happy. And then you add the lean meats. It's like, I get to have chicken breast, you know, as opposed to I got to eat chicken breast. You know, it's like, I get to have a chicken breast. So you're excited about it. And that's carried me through now for about the last month and a half. And at last count, uh, I know my wife and I combined have lost about 35 pounds. That's fantastic. And that's, yeah, it's been about three weeks. And uh, I think myself, to this point, I've lost about 22 of them. And my wife's dropped about 13. All right. So we get up every morning, 430 in the morning. We out at the park uh, working out and, you know, doing all that stuff. And then, yeah. so, so it's, it's going well. Did you well, say you're man. up every morning at 430? Every morning, man. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's, uh, happen. you can teach me how to fly. I wouldn't be up at 430 in the morning, every morning with your wife. With my wife. In she the saw the 10 pounds and said, I want in. Wow. Yeah. She, once that happened to me, she said, I want in. And, and I, here's the, but here's the mistake I made. Okay. I made a calculated bet, right? Okay. Because I said, babe, I want to support your effort here. So if you finish the six-week program, I'll buy you a pair of these Louboutin uh, red-bottom shoes. Okay. Now, these shoes, these are the kind of shoes Kim Kardashian these people wear. Uh, that sounds great. About about twelve to $1,500. Right, well, uh, John. But, but but when I said this, I said that's got to no. weigh ten pounds. Well, here's the thing, though. Fifteen hundred dollars. Right. But here's the thing. When I said it to her, I'm like, "There's no way in hell my wife can get up at four thirty every morning for six weeks." Mm-hmm. I had no clue the motivation that a pair of shoes could be. Yeah. This woman gets up earlier than me. She wakes me up at four thirty. I'm like, I, I made the wrong bet. My wife's gonna finish this shit. So now I got to come up with fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> That's the part. I if, if I spent $1,500 on a pair of shoes for my wife, we would both lose 10 pounds <laughs> because we wouldn't be able to eat for two weeks. What the Who the hell? Shoes? I, I'm sorry. I, I'm missing out on that I, whole shoe look, thing. I'm, I'm, I felt the same way that people who bet on Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas in 91. There's no way Mike's losing, right? Okay. That's All of a sudden, he's on the floor picking up his mouthpiece, and you're like, what the hell happened? I lost my house. Wow. And that's how I feel now. Oh, my God. 
I, she's going to finish this shit. So now I'm trying to think of ways to sabotage her effort. Yeah. So oh, I'm that's not hard. set her alarm clock wrong or slip her some pizza or some weed or something because yeah. I need her to drop out of this pizza thing. Pizza weed. Yeah. I might have to sabotage my wife. You could probably put some sugar in the green drink. You can figure it out. I'm doing damn something because $1,500 wow. is... I or you could just uh, cut off one of her feet. I could, I could cut when off her foot. it comes to that, it'll keep her from running and she wouldn't need the shoes. You know what? You could we- drop a house on her sister. <laughs> no, wait. That's, that's, that's how you get the shoes. That doesn't help at all. <laughs> Man, you're good at this. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I've never had that kind of money. I gotta, I'm devious. Like if, <laughs> I, My bet would involve like a back rub or something. It would be something free. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. So yeah, she's on it, man. And then we got a uh we got a cruise coming up at the end of the month. Really? So we, yeah, we our first cruise together. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, she's been on one before, uh, but I had never been on one. Gotcha. Yeah, so her ex uh, uh took her on a cruise oh, before. Oh, so so you gotta you gotta do better. I gotta I gotta, you gotta do something. And and then we, I think we're going to the same places. Oh, okay. Well you gotta just don't let her take her to that same place. <laughs> like, yeah, me and the Wonder Dude right. got a couple's like, massage yeah. over here in Cosmo. Yeah. Don't do that. I don't want to be at the Rock Y'all Made Love yeah. On out on you're, the beach. You're not the that's... sequel. You're not the sequel. I can't gotta, be the sequel. You're a reboot. Right. I'm, exactly. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a reboot. That's exactly the way Where I like Where are you like going? That. Do you know? We're going to, uh, I think, the Grand Cayman oh, Islands, nice. Ultra Rio, Jamaica. Excellent. Oh, watch your ass. Really? Oh, man. They hustle hard. In do Ocho they? Rios. It is a scary, scary place. I've been there many times. Really? Yeah, I, I, I do cruise ships on occasion, and mm-hmm. Ocho Rios is one of the scariest ports. Like, if, if you go on a tour, you're with a group, you're fine, but if yeah. you're just walking by yourself, people are constantly up on you. Come and trying, trying to, to get you, sell you something. everything. Oh. And uh, even if you enjoy illegal substances, which I certainly don't, listeners. <laughs> Are you wearing a wire? <laughs> I'm wearing a wire. Oh, no. But uh, they'll, they'll sell you the bag. Like, I've, I've heard stories like where they would sell somebody a bag of mushrooms, oh. and then they would uh, take them on the ship, and oh. then they would turn out they were poisonous. I mean, people have gotten really, really sick and oh, almost died. Man. from. I mean, they are. It's, it's, it can be a very dangerous place if you're not careful, so be careful. Wow. And in, yeah. in, about, in about 30 seconds, Stick Johnny just changed my entire itinerary. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing I and was going right, to go to. And that's, just, and that's just right next to the port. And there's plenty Damn. of that. Just, just get away from the port. Get, get away the from big the group, port. And then once you get out to the resort area or wherever okay. it is you're going out to the beach, there's, yeah. there's plenty of freelance folks. But the people who work the port work really, really hard and aren't to be trusted. Oh, okay. Because I've been to Montego Bay. Yeah. I, but I'm, I have that's not done Ultra Real. Yeah. It's much nicer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, and of course it's beautiful, and the the people who aren't hustling are really lovely, and it's 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 so just that one port is so you intense. and you of course because you perform on a lot of I you do. perform I on do. a lot of cruise ships. Yeah, that's, is that's there any advice you could give someone going on to their first cruise? Is it might I get sick or is there any? Do nah, I need to just bring a go, lot of money? Just, or uh, well, yeah, you're gonna need money for sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't try to sneak alcohol on; they'll catch you. They just changed the rules where you can't bring on your own. Uh, it used to be anymore. you could, right? Yeah, it used to be people were like sneaking in their own uh, vodka and their water bottles and stuff, but uh, they just changed the rules, Damn. so you can't bring on your own liquids anymore. So uh, yeah, drink a lot. It helps. Is it still fun? Like yeah, it's still fun. You so because it's just more expensive. Okay. Because I see they say this old a day at sea, yeah. and I'm like, well, what am I doing for a whole day? Oh well, they got they got like a really nice tea thing in the afternoon. That's free. I, I like to do that. It's oh. the only place you can have a quiet conversation where everybody's not drunk. So it plays okay. the piano and they bring you little sandwiches and stuff, and that's okay. fun. And I got trivia's all day. Those are all mm-hmm. a lot of fun. You get to watch people take things way too seriously. <laughs> they have the shows at night. Are you going carnival? You go which way are you going? Uh, carnival. Excellent. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can tell you anything you want to know about that make sure you see the production shows they're a great time catch the sunset every night the best part of a cruise is a sunset and it's really easy to miss if you don't uh, pay attention to it it's magical it's beautiful okay spend just set some time to sit and look at the water 
and not do anything. Wow. That's the best, too. Just looking off in the distance. Now, does it help to have infinity. my wife with me, or should yeah, I do no, all with this? with each other. Okay. I just want to check, because, yeah. you know, because, you know, all those moments sound great the alone. Whole, yeah, the whole group. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's how I do them. <laughs> okay. I do it all alone. I just want to make sure, should yeah. we get two different rooms, or show up okay? in the dance classes looking all pathetic. <laughs> like, can, I, can I cut in? Excuse me. I can't wait I to come back. <laughs> yeah, we, we can talk about it. But, no, this, it's a great time. You'll have a blast. Good. And good, make sure you go see the comedians and say hi. Oh, I'm definitely going to do yeah, that. let me know who you see. Think they'll let me do a guest spot? No. No. <laughs> no, they don't even let me do a guest spot. Dang. Somebody else's show. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Right. They're only half-hour shows anyway. But, oh, they're uh, quick. Yeah, it's a good time. How's the food, man? Oh, the food's great. Really? The food's great. Yeah, they got uh, they have the main dining room, which I'm not allowed in as a, as a staff member. I can't uh, make eye contact with people and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um but uh, the food's high quality, and then of course they got the buffets. They're fantastic. I highly recommend the deli. They got a really good. This is fascinating. They yeah. have a really good. This is riveting <laughs> they, stuff. They have sandwiches there that are top quality. I highly recommend the arugula, Ooh. mozzarella, tomato, and peppers on focaccia. That's the best the deli has to offer. Oh, I love me some arugula, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That sounds good. The foodies are all ears. I don't know if anyone else is enjoying this, but the foodies are all in on this segment. I want to be a foodie. Right now I'm just a fat guy and there's 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 <laughs> There's a, a difference? There's, yeah, there's got to be something. cuz <laughs> I I would just it sounds so much classier. Yeah, foodie. Like, yeah, I'm a foodie. Well, everything stains all over my shirt Well, it's it's pounds. it's a must say for it's much easier to be fat now than yes. it was years ago. Like Absolutely. when I was a kid, uh, I was big and this was during the height of the popularity of the Fat Albert show. My middle name's Albert. Oh. No. So imagine walking into class every day and With all the, the kids hey, are, hey, 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 oh. every, I'm like, look, guys, I'm just oh. trying to learn. Okay. No you're funny. Right. I'm just, I, I had to fire back. Because you, you're funny and you're charming and you're cool and you're kind of good looking. And <laughs> you combine those things, you don't get funny. It doesn't make sense. Okay. So you were a fat kid. I was a fat kid. And that explains where your charm comes from. But now if that happened, they'd call it body shaming. Yeah. It'd and be a whole different thing now. It still happens, though, every day. Yeah. It, it, just me to myself. <laughs> I'm constantly body shaming me. If, if nobody else does it, we will. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. So we're going to ha- go ahead and uh, wrap this segment up. It's good catching up with you. It's great to see you. And, and yeah, and now we're going we're gonna to listen to an interview that Johnny did. Oh, this is so exciting. With the amazing Sarah Colonna. I wish I could have been here for this. I um, wish you could have, too. Very interested to hear what in the world y'all two had to say to each other. Hey guys, it's Brian. Here's what's coming up at the Comedy Zone, of course, tonight and tomorrow. It's uh, Sarah Colonna, part of a book tour for the uh, book, Has Anybody Seen My Pants? She'll be here at uh, the Comedy Zone. Two shows, Friday night, two shows, Saturday. Tickets still available at cltcomedyzone.com. Also, if you already have her book, go ahead and bring it in. She'll be happy to sign it for you. And also, Barnes & Noble will have copies of the book, Has Anybody Seen My Pants? on site at the club for you to purchase right there also coming up at uh, the comedy zone uh, sunday night june 14th it's funny on the fly comics get uh, their topics 30 minutes before they hit the stage it's literally the freshest comedy around 180 seconds the open mic night june 16th at the comedy zone and the almost famous comedy show june 17th that's a wednesday and uh coming up next week june 18th through the 20th it's rachel feinstein and uh, other shows coming up uh through the year at uh, the comedy zone some really big names michael ian black uh, we'll be here, Moshe Kasher, uh, David Allen Greer, and of course uh, Jim Norton uh, towards the end of uh, November. Those Norton tickets going really fast. You can uh, check out all the dates and pick up tickets at cltcomedyzone.com. 
For all upcoming shows at the Comedy Zone and open mics and special shows, you can find everything by following the Comedy Zone at Comedy Zone CLT on Twitter, finding the Comedy Zone on Facebook, and like I just mentioned for about the 15th time, on the website at cltcomedyzone.com. Welcome back to the Comedy Zone Podcast. I'm Johnny Melwater here with author, comedian, and actress, Sarah Colonna. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm Johnny. You can call me... Johnny. Yeah, it's his best. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. And uh, you're here at the Comedy Zone this week in yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, this isn't your first time here in Charlotte, is it? No. No, I was here last year, like a year and a half ago or so, at the Comedy Zone, which I love. This is an awesome club. Isn't this a great place? Yeah, it's, it's so great. Do you so find good. the uh, audiences in Charlotte are uh, different anyway than like out in L.A.? Um, yeah, I get, but I find that kind of every city. I feel yeah. like, you, yeah, it's sort of every city you sort of have to like tune into what the city sort of is like, you know, and that's it. But I grew up in Arkansas, yeah. so I grew up in the South, and so I'm definitely uh, more, I'm very like, I get the South. Like you I, speak you know, our language. Yeah, I speak your language. Which part yeah. of Arkansas are you from? Um, right outside of Fayetteville. It's called Farmington. Mm-hmm. It's a little tiny city, uh, town, really. But then I went to college at the University of Arkansas. Wonderful. I understand you studied theater there. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Totally useless degree, by the way. That's what I hear. Completely. I think my sister has a degree in theater, and she says she acts like she has a job. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's great. It, you know, I got a lot of training, and I got to do a lot, especially at a place like Arkansas, because yeah. you're... you're you, you get know, to be in every show. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have... Uh, it's not like you're at NYU trying to compete. I mean, not every show. They had enough people where you did have to at least audition against people. But usually I beat them because I'm really talented. Obviously. So, yeah. So, but then when you get out, you're like, oh, I have a degree, but this is obviously not going to. Like, nobody's ever given me a job in the f- entertainment business because no. they haven't. You don't really break out a resume very often. No, 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 not for that. Yeah, it's not just that the, kind the of skills resume. and the work, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's a big transition to go from Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, all the way to L.A. I mean, that's a big jump. Yeah. Is that, uh, I mean, obviously, you're very confident back then, too. Did you just go straight there? Did yeah. I don't know if I was confident you? or just dumb. You know, like, I don't it's know if I was just line. like, whatever, I'll be fine and just moved. Um, it's hard to be one without the other. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I grew up, my dad has always lived in California. So mm-hmm. I grew up visiting California. And I just always liked California. Oh. So knowing that I had to sort of choose between at the, you know, in my head anyway, you had to choose between New York and Los Angeles exactly, when I finished yeah. college. Uh, I just was, I'm a more of a West Coast prone person. So I was, just went out there. Now, did you, uh, I know you have no accent whatsoever. Is that something that you worked on or is that something that... Uh, I didn't work on it. It just went away. Yeah. I mean, it comes out every once in a while when I'm home or if I talk to my mom. Like, sometimes I guess it still comes out. I don't notice it, but then when I go home for Christmas and then I come back, my friends will be like, you're talking weird. You, know? comes, <laughs> you talk funny. Mine comes now. out when I drink. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have that anymore. It used to, but I th- it just I never worked on it. Just like faded. I just I think because living in L.A. for so long, nobody there really has much of an accent. Yeah. So I think I just sort of adapt to talking the way people talk around. When you me. travel on the road, do you find you pick up their accents a little bit? You start to speak a little bit slower in some places. A little bit for sure. A little bit more of a twang yeah, in other places. I, yeah, I definitely do. And I think if I talk to someone with a twang long enough, I get get one. So like, and I'm not doing it on purpose. It's just of sort of not. what my ear does. But I think it can be super offensive. Like I've definitely, <laughs> I've definitely like picked up like a valet's accent out of nowhere and they're just like why is she talking in an accent and it's so aff- I know like I, I a valet don't... who parks the car yeah yeah like absolutely a, a British yes. guy who takes yeah. care of your suits yeah no 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 the valet who okay. parks the car I need a valet whatever, whatever you Wouldn't said I didn't even great? know that was a job oh yeah I don't I have any suits mostly though. Victorian England yeah yeah okay. but that's a really offensive accent you break that out wrong yeah that would be weird just yeah. to bust out 
I'd probably be like Madonna though if I was in England and just like have an accent out of nowhere and make no sense. Have you yeah. ever traveled overseas? Have you gotten to do any international tours? Yeah, I've performed in England and I performed in Australia actually. Oh. Yeah, and that was, I mean, both were really fun. I think Australia was still one of my favorite shows I've ever done. I've heard Australian audiences, they're, they're like New York audiences. They can either be really with you or really against you. Yeah, I don't know. They were really with me luckily, yeah. so I don't know the opposite of that and I hope I never find out that the them being against you what, but what like, was the context were they there to see you were they well there they were there comedy? it was um i was pro, this was like five years ago or six years ago and i was opening for chelsea like so chelsea handler would do when all of her writers she basically would rotate us when she would do on a tour even though we were all headlining she would still have us open for her and sure. of course it's amazing because it's a much bigger crowd than oh, yeah. you know you get on your own headlining like at these theaters with five thousand people in them <sighs> so um i opened for her but i you it was amazing. Like I didn't feel, you know, and she let us when we do like 40 minutes, but we don't, we do our That's own great. full set. And um, so the audience knew who you were coming in. Yeah. They were excited to see and it you was too. just, but you never know. Cause they, you know, when someone is there to see someone else at the end of the day, you're not sure how it's going to go for you, but it was amazing. And, uh, they are, they were just like, I don't know. I think the sense of humor is very similar to mine. Yeah, you know, in Australia, and to and to like a lot of you know us in the U.S., like a little drier, a little sarcastic, but you know, but fun and like lighthearted. I don't know. I just found it to be a, a really fun experience. Do you find that the travel is one of the best parts of the job for you, or is it something that you just have to do to? It's both. Get the message the, out it's there? the best and the worst. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's exhausting for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm so used to it now, you know, but like, you know, I, we were discussing off air before yeah. we started, like you get in late and then you get up early the next day to start your press. And, you know, I think they picked me up at like 7 a.m. And <laughs> I got in at 1030 last night, didn't get in, you know, and, and then you're adjusting on, you know, but it's so I mean, it's such a non thing to complain about because it's obviously well, for great reason. It's not complaining. But, it's just how it is. Yeah. And it's so it can be tiring. Um, and I can once I get home, sometimes on a Sunday, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so happy. You know, you're just happy to be home. And but at the same time, I get to go to all these different cities and meet a ton of different people. And just it's more traveling than I ever dreamed I would get to do. Do so. you still have a chance to see the towns? Because I know that you're so I mean, th- th- your schedule must be amazing. You have so much going on. Do, do you have time to go out and see the local sites at all? I, I try. I mean, I make time. I try Good. to make time because I don't. I don't know. I think when I first started, I'd be like, oh, I just hear a lot of comedians, of course, say that they just like sleep during the day, you know, Mm -hmm. and I understand that. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not good at that, even though I probably need it desperately. Like I'm still a late I'm a late night person, but then up early. So you strike me as someone who can't stay still. Yeah, I don't stay still very well. And like, I don't I don't know if I can I can't take naps every once in a while. I can. Wow. But it's hard to you know, you would need one. after. Yeah, you would kind of need one after like, I mean, no nap traveling all night comedian it's it's the food water shelter nap right yeah but i'm like i want to get out and i want to you know i'm north carolina i want to go get barbecue like i always there's always certain things and i feel like it's weird to go to a city and then not know anything about it absolutely when you leave so for me i try to get out and about and do different things and if there's if there's something going on i try to do that if i'm a huge sports fan so I was in Minnesota a couple weeks uh, a couple weeks ago, like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and there was a home uh, game, and I'd never been to the Twin Stadium, and it was a Saturday afternoon game, which never happens. That there's, you know, I'm usually working at night, obviously, right. and so there's usually games at like four or seven, and I can't go. There was a noon game, and and I was like, I'm going, and so I just went solo to a to a baseball game, and I had a blast. So I try to do things like that. And it sounds really important. Yeah. 
just keeping your head together in this kind of lifestyle. I mean, with the book tour and with the stand-up comedy, and then you have the writing back home. Yeah. I mean, do, you, do you find yourself writing every day? Are you one of those people who has a certain schedule that you keep? No. Or, uh, I should be, probably. No, you just, when you can squeeze it in. It's when I can squeeze it in, or just when I do it, kind of. I find, actually, to, that uh, performing, like writing on the road is is the best like that's when I get a lot done actually because there are the times sometimes you know like if it's not as nice out or something yeah. or if you don't want to go as it's raining or if it's cold or if it's just like okay I'll sit in and the hotel room is a great place those hours to after work. the show where you can't sleep yeah and just sitting around trying to not go crazy yeah you can you can write and then and also and also on the plane that's a great really way, a great place for me to get writing I've never then. been able to be creative on a plane I know I didn't think I could be in the I just try day. to not be uncomfortable yeah that's true I mean that part yeah I I mean I still hate flying to this day but um I don't know there's something about it that one day I was like when I was working on my first book I just remember thinking well I have five hours on this plane yeah what else am i going to do other than watch you know like a real housewives marathon <laughs> so i tie i just like started writing and i was like oh this is a great place to work like because there's you have nowhere to go mm -hmm. you kind of have no choice but to just sort of try to think of something to do so or sleep you know i just I, stick it with me it's the broad shoulders i get it yeah it's not the most comfortable yeah. especially and the seats do seem to be getting smaller and smaller on planes and you're the, and then you're like okay and then you have your laptop and then if you want to have a drink you're like well where do i put that when now that it's on the taking up the tray table so it's a space situation is not ideal that's for sure can we talk a little more about your writing and, and how did it start did you start doing stand-up first or did you start uh, writing on paper first um i think i start i guess i started writing on paper first but just for myself you like, know like it wasn't like all the way back in bed yeah in, yeah uh, like I, yeah like ideas for stand-up like i actually remember finding one time like what i would write you know like as a kid I guess I wrote like some stand-up ideas I mean I wish I could remember them because I'm sure they'd be golden right now uh, <laughs> but uh, I definitely like did used to, I did a lot of that and like journaling and stuff so I was always interested in writing but I never knew exactly where it was gonna go it was uh, Chelsea the first time that you did sketch writing you did uh, comedy writing? The first time for that I got paid for it <laughs> yeah right. definitely that was the first time I, I did any writing on a uh, professional writing on a show I'm always curious about the transition from from the real world to LA uh, to, to go from college in Fayetteville yeah. to LA. Did you have a job waiting for you there? No. I uh, Basically what I did was I moved. Uh, I graduated college in, I guess it was May, and I moved the last weekend of June. Mm -hmm. So my dad was living not in Los Angeles but in Orange County, okay. like an hour and a half away or yeah, so at least you knew somebody who loved you out there. I knew someone out there, yeah. Uh, and so I, I basically, at 21, uh, told him I was going to move in with him, which I'm sure he was like, really? Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, I haven't lived with you since you were five, so this should be great. And then, I mean, you we just, were- You just told him? Yeah, I just, just said- I sent him a telegram? Yeah, I just, yeah, I sent him a fax. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, I, I mean, he was excited to have that option. Sure. To, so he was like, great. Yeah. Come. And I was like, I'm don't worry. I'm not going to like graduate college and then move in with you forever. I just need a place to sort of land for a few months and save enough money to then go get an apartment in LA because you don't save money in college. Obviously mm -mm. there's no way to do it. I hear it's hard to save money in LA. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere. So I lived, uh, I lived with him for about eight months. I worked at a bar in orange County and I just like stashed all the tips that I made until I could move up to LA. And then I had a girl that I knew from college also was living in LA 
and she had a roommate move out, and it was just like perfect timing. And Beautiful. she, yeah. So, and did you dive into the scene right away? Did you start doing stand up? I mean, I knew you wanted to do stand up at a very young age. Yeah, and- yeah. So I just, you know, I started trying to. I was doing stand up. I was um, trick, taking like an improv class, and yeah. so I was just doing like open mics and coffee shops, and just sort of fumbling. I had no sure. idea what I was doing, so I just is that where of, you learn your craft? Just uh, the small sets around town. Yeah, you just fumble Seems like your LA way would around. Be the toughest place to learn stand up. It is. It's funny because I. It's all I knew, but now when other people talk about like doing stand up in New York or Boston or Chicago or somewhere where there's like a scene where you can actually get stage time instead of in LA there's three clubs and unfortunately they only give you a few minutes so and you got to be competing against people who've all had hour specials and yeah yeah so when you finally do get to do a club you're only doing a few minutes and then you only have that few minutes because it's not like you've gotten to do 15 minutes and like learn you know you have like a five minute set and then you build like a 10 minute set and then that's it really you don't have enough time to really practice or you know so i found that you have to do that in these like coffee shops and open mics and start so building and building. To starting to do longer sets um by doing just like a ton of open mics that mm-hmm. gave you places that gave you longer amounts of time um going on the road a little bit as a you know like a feature for people that i knew and building more time that way so that was really how up and down the west coast yeah you ever do one of those triple runs Oh yeah, I know. Where is that? Uh, so Montana, Idaho, yeah. Wyoming. I, don't, it's the I think whole, I didn't do that one, but I, I, I did like Oregon and uh, yeah. a couple other places. But um, no, I never did the triple run. So you did the uh, improv class. Did you do what other kind of education did you have in comedy? Is it just uh, you learned as you went, or yeah, learning as you go? I mean, you know, uh, I took acting classes and, yeah. and and improv classes and stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you can learn stand up that way. You just have to do it. You know. Absolutely. I know they have like stand up classes, but. I never took one, but yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure they're helpful in some way, but I don't know that you it's can teach everybody. that. Yeah. But the improv class led to a lot of good things for you, didn't it? Um, no, not really. No? No, uh, no it um, it was uh, more of like just something I wanted to take to be comfortable in like auditions and things okay. because it taught you to think quick and be on your feet a little bit. But I've learned that stand-up is, is more of a way to learn that for me than anything else. Absolutely. And how did you start your relationship uh, with the Chelsea Handler Show? Um, I met Chelsea like years ago when she was starting to do stand up as well. Like we were both 22, 23. Wow. Yeah. One year in. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I've known her since then. And then when she got her show, she, I think about it, like, a few months into it, she, you know, she was just having, she had every comedian she knew really yeah. on. She was trying to, you know, broke so but, many people, so many people who were two or through here. Yeah. I mean, that's their big credit. That's yeah. But once she got on, it was sort of like, Oh Jesus, bug just flew at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, once, I won't go away. I wish I, I'm glad people can't see me like swatting at this like fly. Um, I was Sorry like, about I that. I wish like I'd have put the fruit bowl away. Yeah, you know that's your fault. Start <laughs> having all the old bananas I'll sitting put it out. over there by, yeah. the, by the marble fountain. Yeah, there it is, that guy here um, in the cask of Amontillado Studios. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she you know she would have you on, and then it was sort of up to you to to do well yeah. i mean she couldn't have you back if and you had didn't. great success i mean yeah. how, many, how many appearances 20 30 and then oh who knows yeah i was doing several and then they asked me to become a writer so right. yeah that was cool and that's going to be tremendous to have that nine to five schedule to have yeah, something where you have different. to write every single day yeah did yeah you find that inspired you or did that uh intimidate no, for you? sure no it was great it was uh the best of all worlds because i was writing for someone else also for myself and then writing and then appearing on the show so mm-hmm. i didn't have to I don't know that I would just want to be a writer on a show behind the scenes. It's not really. I'm more interested you in something have that, that you can. Audience could, buzz. Yeah, yeah. So, and you started your first book while you were writing on that show. Didn't yep. You? 
Yeah. It's a Life as I Blow It, yes. I believe. Yeah, that was right? my first one. Um, and uh, How did you find the time? I, I, that I was find the hardest, that mind for sure. Yeah, it was, it was definitely difficult. I never, you know, you can't write on your book at work. So yeah. um, you, I, I would just go home and do it. It was definitely challenging. That one was the hardest, I think, because when I did my second book, I had left the show as a writer. Mm-hmm. I was still on the round table doing appearances, but like I had left as a writer. So, and right when I left I, is when I got my book deal. So then I was, I was like, oh, this is not easy, but wow, it's, I have so much more time. I was like, how did I do this before when it, I was would on Would it be worse show? without the structure? I find if I don't have that deadline, if I don't have... Well, I have a de- I had a deadline still, so that that was fine. Like the the publisher gives you a deadline no matter what, so you oh, still have to meet that. So um, yeah, it was a little harder because I didn't have I had all day, so I'd, you could be, I could blow off a day like in nobody's <laughs> business, right? Like with appointments and lunch, like I mm-hmm. I could just make stuff happen all day and then be like, oh crap, I didn't write anything today. So how did the first book deal come around? Um, did, did you and, did you write some samples? You sent them out, or and, did they come to you? An agent in New York reached out to me and was like, "I feel like you know you would be a, a great author, and like you have all these stories that always crack me up on the show." Oh, that must have been flattering. Yeah, yeah, really flattering. And I don't, and I had always wanted to write a book, so I don't know that if I didn't have someone sort of reach out to me, I don't know that I would have figured out how to do it. Maybe by now I would have, but at the time I wouldn't have. So I'm really grateful that he reached out, and then he's still my book agent. And, has promoting the book changed a great deal from one to the other? I mean, the publishing industry is revolutionized in the past five, six years. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's harder. I mean, there's not as many readers. <laughs> Bookstores are going under, you know, yeah. and everything's more digital. And uh, uh, so, but I found that I think because of that, it's it's great. Like people, you know, when you have a book that people want to read and, and there's something people can relate to, uh, you know, there's publicity and stuff like the talk mm. and the view and all these things yeah. i didn't get to do the first time i got to do this time that's fun too isn't yeah it? really fun and uh, the new book is called uh has, has anyone, has seen, anyone my... seen my pants yeah I'm yeah sorry. it's a ridiculous title it's yeah. a great title yeah perhaps. yeah if i they're almost all kind of uh they're all sexual almost all comedy books now are sexual like say it was on a couple weeks ago his was called dirty daddy yeah uh, i mean Gilbert there's something Rubber about and liquor. yeah there's something about those titles that they just that look the publishing industry likes it because it, it grabs your attention it sells yeah. books I mean this sto- my my books aren't about sex there's a couple stories in there about relationships I use that term loosely but <laughs> you know there's some, there's some of that factors in but um, that's not uh, the titles to me have like different meanings you know so like has anyone seen my pants sounds probably like oh it's just a one night stand book but it's not it's about feeling pantsless all of my 30s in many ways like not feeling like a grown-up or feeling too much like a grown-up or so it's sort of to me I found a way to weave in like making it seem like a sexual title but also uh have like double triple meaning so that it's all good titles do I'm told yes and uh, are you promoting that? You're doing a lot of bookstores. Are you doing any stuff by Kindle shops? I mean, um, how do you? I've been doing more. Um, are I, the Kindle shops? I, I feel I like uh, no, I, think... I shouldn't let that idiotic statement go un- yeah. unnoticed. I th- yeah, I was thinking as you said it. I was like, I don't know if he yeah. knows that you just get that a Kindle. You idiot. just buy that book. Buy the book on electronically. You don't have yeah. to go to a store. Yeah. But you know. What, you can open a Kindle <laughs> shop and see how it goes. <laughs> In the back I, of my van. Yeah, I feel like it might just, fail. I'll just drive through like an ice cream I truck. I don't know. Why not be the first person to do it? <laughs> There's a truck for everything now. That's, why not have one? Obviously, you can buy it online anywhere that they have online books. But the, yes. for the solid books, for the paper books. Yes, they buy them at the Barnes and Nobles. And, uh, you have them at, at the shows? At Amazon. Yeah, I have them at the shows. And that's mainly what I've been doing is 
Um, when I'm in a city, I like when I was in New York, when my book came out the day of, I went to all the Barnes and Noble and just signed mm-hmm. every copy that they had and then left them there. But now um, all the books are at my shows. And, and if someone Brent comes with yeah. one, I'll sign it. But then I sell them afterwards. So that's mainly where I do my signings. That's got to be even better. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. That's for me. It's better because it's like I'm here to do stand up. And the and the book, but going to bookstores and stuff, it's just not this. I don't know. My crowd is this the comedy club crowd, so that's where I like to do my book signings. People who know you and love you, yeah, every single one of them. There's yeah. no random people coming out. Well, there's a few. They're all fans. Really, but that's good. Just yeah. even after an hour show. Yeah, there's people. Know like, them a little bit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but people come in as uh, as strangers sometimes and then leave as fans, so that's cool too. Well, if you'd like to pick up your copy of Has anybody seen their seen my pants? Has anyone seen my Has pants? Anyone? Not anybody. Has it's anyone okay. seen my pants? So Sarah Colonna. 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 Yeah. But Sarah Colonna is here at the Comedy Zone this weekend. Make sure you come by and check out her website, sarahcolonna.com. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the show, Thank Sarah. Thank you. It's lovely to meet you. You too. Hey, it's me again. You can find Sarah Colonna on the Twitter at Sarah Colonna, C-O-L-O-N-N-A-S-A-R-A-H for Sarah, at Sarah Colonna on Twitter. Find her book, Has Anybody Seen My Pants? Any place you can find a book, check out tour dates for Sarah at sarahcolonna.com. She'll be at the Stardome in Birmingham, Alabama, July 23rd through the 26th. You can follow us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast for the show and email us at comedyzonepodcast at gmail.com. Will Jacobs is on Twitter at I am Will Jacobs. Our uh, host currently on assignment, Spencer Taylor, is at Spencer Taylor, S-P-E-N-C-A-T-A-Y-L-A. Our special guest host uh, this week, Johnny Millwater, is at Johnny Millwater, J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-I-L-L-W-A-T-E-R. And if you're so inclined, I'm NCBalto72 on the Twitter. Welcome back to the Comedy Zone podcast. I uh, hope you all enjoyed that interview. Uh, John, I know you enjoyed doing the interview, a right? Blast. It was a blast. My first long form interview like that. And uh, Sarah was so kind. It was a really great time. Well, I wish, I really wish I could have been here uh, for that interview with her because me and Sarah go way back. And mm-hmm. I'm talking way back to like a year ago. Wow. Yeah, we go way back to a year ago. Uh, I performed with her here. Uh, at the Comedy Zone, I opened. No, no, this was two years ago, maybe. But I, I opened or emceed uh, for her, mm-hmm. and then we hung out after the show, <clears throat> and we're back in the green room. And all of a sudden, the owner, uh, Brian Heffron, Heff, we yeah. call him, uh, comes in and he goes, uh, "Yeah, uh, somebody came to see the show." And we're like, "Okay, who are they talking about? Freaking Brian Regan." Brian Regan came in. to see the show. The guy he finishes his show at a theater. Yeah. Then just comes over to hang out and see some comedy and talk some comedy. Oh my! Okay. If, if casual listeners who may not be uh, versed in who's who, Brian Ooh. Regan is arguably the best stand-up comic uh, in the world right now. Yes. He's my favorite for sure. He's unbelievable. He's he's incredible. He's so he was like playing an arena down the street or something. Yeah. Right? I mean he's he's yeah. packing theaters all over the country. Yeah. I've heard a couple stories like this. So he. he where he'll come out and he'll watch a show afterwards. He just came out and watched the show. Oh. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Brian Regan saw me perform. So I'm like, Brian, what did you think? And he was like, dude, I came after you had already gone. So uh-huh. I said, oh, <laughs> okay. All the better. Okay. Can I go back up? He's like, no, no, we're done. So, okay. So, but he saw Sarah and he said he enjoyed her, uh, her performance and he was very complimentary, very sweet dude. And then uh, we all went over to Small Bar uh, mm-hmm. around the corner here, a uh, little bar close to here. 
And uh, we hung out for like two or three hours, man. Wow. And just talked about comedy, talked about his start. He was so open and, and you know, playful. And he doesn't take himself too seriously, like, at all. I've never heard a bad Brian Regan story. Every never. story I've ever heard is him being kind and warm. That's all he was. And then we're standing there talking. And, I mean, like, literally, it was you would have thought we all had known each other. For decades. Like, I'm standing there with him, and he's saying stuff, and I'm like, don't worry, Brian. Uh, I- I'm the expert. I got this. So when you're doing comedy, you know, just a little well, fun stuff, But that's man. how it is with comics. We do know each other. We're the only ones who know each other. Even if we've never met, we all have so many shared experiences. It's a fraternity, man. It is. It, it really is. Yeah. So we you have that connection. Yeah. And I love when people reach that level of fame and notoriety, mm-hmm. and they don't let it get to them. Now, he, he goes out of his way to keep – I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of interviews with him. He's He works very hard to keep his head on straight. Yeah, and, and he's the kind of guy, too. Like, I've heard him say this where if, if – you know, because sometimes you may get comics standing around maybe bashing a comic for one reason or another. Yeah. And Brian will be like, look, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Yes. And people will be like, you know, well, what's the problem? And he's like, well, I just – I don't participate in talking negative that. about a comic ever. That's how I've st- I've heard stories. He's always round table. He's never holding court. He's never telling yeah. everybody what's what. He'll just talk. And if somebody starts bashing, he stands up. Right. I'm not into that. Like literally, if out. Regan had been here in the 40s and Hitler told a joke, and it was like, hey, that's not funny at all. It's like, hold on a second. I got to get out of here. I can't have you talking bad about Adolf. You know, like he just respects laughs and comedy that much that no matter who it is, he's he doesn't participate in that. He's he's sweet like that, man. And I don't even say sweet, but he's very sweet. He's a good man. Yes, he's a good man and a great comic. Absolutely, he's so, just one of my heroes. He's the kind of guy I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, heroes and and comedic heroes, Mr. Jerry Seinfeld has I, been in the in is the he one news of your heroes this week. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love me some Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. The com- I grew up on uh, Seinfeld and uh, his show and his stand up, mm-hmm. and I think I, my experience is, and you're probably the same way, man. You just love so many different comedians. Oh yeah. That when somebody asks you, well, who influenced you? It's like that's like a big giant gumbo. I can't even. <laughs> start the name but if i had to he's he's on that short list no of, of people that uh and he, that i definitely looked up to he broke comedy wide in, in a way that nobody ever has and he's, he's one of those inspirations there's so few guys i see who work the road who then moved to new york and then break huge and he worked the road for a long long time he was on the posters you know that my sister my older sister's also a stand-up comic oh yeah uh, and uh, so she used to take me to the clear club appearances when i was really little mm-hmm. and he'd be playing two weeks after she was he used to do the club circuit just like we do yeah. and then he you know, now he owns the world. Wow. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean he, he's really crossed over. Not many people do. Well, he was one of the, like, when I was younger, because I would have, I probably would have gotten into comedy a lot sooner, mm-hmm. but I didn't know you could make a career of it. I thought the only people making money from comedy were like Jerry Seinfeld and Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't know there were all these comedians that make their living doing comedy. Mm-hmm. He, but he was one of the people. Supposedly there's 10,000 comics. And most people can name maybe nine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's a, it, it, I found out it was a viable kind of thing, but he was one of the guys that you looked at like, whoa, like that's the end of the rainbow right there. He made there. it and then some. Yeah. But apparently he's having some problems now. He's having some problems now. Uh, apparently he talked about colleges and performing at colleges mm-hmm. and said that he doesn't do that anymore because colleges have become too PC. And that everything is sexist or racist or, you know, whatever. It's they love to be offended. They love to be offended. So he he doesn't do that anymore. But I know you have performed at a number of colleges. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. are you kind of on board with him with that? Uh, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. They're, they're just, uh, it's just an uptight environment. It's weird because like in the 60s and the 70s, colleges were, were the most free thinking people were. That's where you were trained to think outside the box and do uh, whatever you think is right. But now it's such a corporate environment. It's so closed. Uh, and also the shows themselves. 
I don't know. Have you ever done a college? I've never. I've Did never you see done a comedy a show when you were in college? Uh, yes, I saw a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Like remember? during homecoming and stuff like that. Do you that. remember where it was? Uh, this little auditorium on campus. Good deal. All right, yeah, so mm-hmm. it's sometimes an auditorium, sometimes it's in a lunchroom, something, something like that, student center. Mm-hmm. But it's usually not the ideal staging. For mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld, it would be, but for you know a regular comic, it would be at the cafeteria or something. That's where I've done a few. Okay. And it's people who know each other, surrounded by each other, and and also there's administrators in the back. And they're just afraid, man. They're just afraid that they're going to be seen, in my opinion, they're afraid they're going to be seen laughing at something that somebody else thinks is racist or somebody else thinks is sexist. Or they'll just hear their certain key words and they'll just shut down. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, and, and I think that's the point he's making, too, is that they are trained at that point to be the most politically correct that they'll be in their entire lives. Wow. Uh, so then, I mean, I guess that's why... I mean, I, I it's it's funny though because I can, in some ways, I can see it from both sides. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can see it from the the comics standpoint that you know we're artists, man, yeah, and and we're just up there to have a good time. And you know when someone's up there attacking yeah. people, there's a difference yeah. between comedy and up there and hate speech. Absolutely, like there's there's it's, a difference, there and everybody be no, knows the no difference. real cruelty, right? Yeah, and, and that's not what we're talking about. Though, no, right? no, we're talking just... about anything that approaches any topic that yeah. you know. It's like, but this is college. This is where people are supposed to be, think and express freely. Yeah. So it seems to run counter to the mission of what college is. Absolutely. Like it, it just like are we just trying to train kids to be these corporate lemmings? Like is that what this is or And and a lot of times it has nothing to do with uh, with the actual content of what you're talking about. It's just a certain word or a certain idea. I have, I have recently had experience uh, I did a corporate show and I did a joke which is completely innocent. Mm-hmm. And uh, it cuz I you know you cut all the stuff that's iffy out yeah. if you're getting paid enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll, you'll cut the stuff out that you try to go for the broadest audience you can in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's and and I did a joke uh, about I want to open up a restaurant that just serves bacon mm-hmm. and who would enjoy that we'll call it the strip club right <laughs> who wouldn't love that except jews and muslims <laughs> and most hindus and anybody who's read charlotte's web recently and it's <laughs> it's just it's yeah you know, it's a little crappy right. throwaway joke but because i said the word jew and muslim i got complaints about that joke after wow. the show from like three different people because they thought they just they they were listening to something else at the beginning of the joke and they heard Jew and they immediately went to whatever their experiences with people saying something against Jews wow. and they put that on you and it's the same thing in colleges if you talk about any race if you talk about I mean I have a bit in my uh, in my stage show where I talk about uh, Mexicans multiplying when you get them wet. I have like a six minute <laughs> absurd bit where I'm comparing race, different races to gremlins, uh, and it's it's, just, it's an exploration about how racism is absurd. And it's obviously it's obviously untrue. It's obviously uh, coming from a place that's absurdity. Mm-hmm. But people will hear a certain word. And they'll immediately shut down and they'll go, that guy's racist, that guy's doing hate speech. They'll stop listening and they'll start forming their own complaint in their mind. Mm-hmm. And in colleges especially, because that's when they have the ear of the most people. That's when they have a loud voice to complain. And that's also when they're trying to establish themselves. Right. I think a lot of being offended is vanity. It's just, mm. look how smart I am. Look how evolved I am. Look how much better I am than this comic who's trying to keep my friends down. Not me. I have the courage to stand up for what's right. <laughs> right. Makes me and feel... And comedy, they don't realize that we're doing the exact same thing. Wow. We're also standing up for what's right. Right. Uh, and that's where I think the problem is. Well, I, and I, the, the, other, the other issue with it is, because that, I think that 
that environment is sort of a microcosm for how societies become mm-hmm. where, you know, even if you're at a job or at a corporate place, there's all these topics you can't touch. Mm-hmm. And even if you're making a little joke about something that doesn't even really people tighten up, you see them tighten up. Like when you do corporate events or you work in a corporate office. And part of the issue I have with that is that half the time when people are saying, Oh, that's racist. You know, that's racist. It's usually something silly or something, not whatever. And then they never get at the stuff that's actually racist. So it's like you take us down this road mm-hmm. with, with, oh, this, you know, if you make a joke about a Mexican, that's racist. No, like, I'd love to have a real conversation about voter ID laws, mass incarceration, mm-hmm. educational disparities. It's systematic, industrialized racism that's really affecting people. We can't get to that because we're hung up on a joke Johnny made at Sarasota State. You know, like, it's just, it, it hides the ball. It's like we get so caught up in these little sound bites. It's misdirection. And these little video clips. Like the kids on that bus from Oklahoma, they were saying the N-word in a song, and the nation went up in arms. And I'm like, look, but over here... Five dollars is spent on this kid to ed- get educated. To every quarter spent on this kid, like that's we, let's go at the real stuff. It's keeping away from the real problems. It keeps you away from the real problems, and that's my biggest issue with it. Is that you find these convenient targets, like low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. like oh, I go out. It's like a mob of people. Oh, let's go here now. Torches, pitchforks, and we never get at the real problems. And I think complaining about race and racism is is or, or sexism or anything PC. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a profession now. Yeah. It's some people's jobs, like mm-hmm. Salon.com or just any of the clickbait sites. Mm-hmm. Every single day, they have to come up with something to write about. And a lot of times, it'll just be, hey, did this guy go too far? Did that guy go too far? Did the politician say this thing? And what does it really mean? And right. he made the, like the Jerry Seinfeld thing, he made a very mm-hmm. specific comment. Yeah. He said that college audiences are too PC. Mm-hmm. And the responses to it became college students are too PC, which became uh, comedy is dying because of PC. And it, it's, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. People lose track of the real story, and it gets blown completely out of proportion, and they're talking about something that nobody's talking about. And that's the unfortunate part is because at the end of the day, Jerry Seinfeld's all right. He, but he, you know he doesn't what I mean? do any racial or well, – and, and he's squeaky clean. And I mean in terms of his career, but for those of us yeah, out well, here still too. trying to yeah. you know claim our piece – uh, it becomes tougher because, like, you know, colleges, like you said, they, they pay uh, decent money mm-hmm. and things like that, and we're making a living out of this, so it's a helpful thing to do. But, man, if it goes in that direction, it the makes The bookers it so are hard. more and more scared. Everybody's afraid of getting complaints. It's the same thing in the corporate environment. People are – I mean, they're not so much afraid of racism as they are afraid of being sued. They're right. afraid of being fired because the boss is afraid of being sued. Right. And so everybody's afraid to say anything. So if you're going into a college, like what the only things you can talk about are what, like uh, football or something? Like what? Yeah, what you, I, you know, there's plenty of things. That you, I mean, it's if you go to Seinfeld, you can talk about cereal, you can talk about airplanes, you talk about shoes, you talk about anything. But the stuff that really matters to some of us, the stuff that's really interesting, the that, stuff that's that, really that, funny. That, <laughs> yeah, that too. That's arguable, but that too, absolutely. The stuff that really most comics are passionate about that. The kind of comedy I enjoy, yeah, watching and performing, you can't mm. do there. Mm. Wow, and then people too scared, but and, and and then people came at him. But you know, like you've mentioned, other comics have said, yeah, I think Chris Rock put things. out an article about three years ago saying the exact same thing. And mm-hmm. George Carlin, who of course uh, one of his biggest releases ever was Carlin on Campus, and that was back in the seventies or sixties yeah. uh, when 
those ideas were really explored, where he talked about religion, where he talked about Catholicism specifically, where he talked about drugs, where he talked about all the things that you can't talk about now. He talked 10 years ago about how, how he couldn't do colleges anymore. Is there any part of you that worries that this isn't just isolated to colleges, that this may be a direction comedy's headed in? I mean, you've nah. seen a whole, I mean, you've seen a number of times where comics say things and have to go apologize. Yeah, well, uh, they lose their jobs, they lose sponsors, they have to, I mean, you'll have something that somebody said on stage that they issue a public apology for. And that's tragic. Like, are we so you don't? But you don't worry that that's maybe a, a direction that comedy in general is headed. It's in? been going that way for a long time, and it's it's just. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of fuck them if they can't take a joke. Mm. I I've never been in the public eye enough where I've, I've had like individual complaints. You know, I've had some complaints in the ships. I've had complaints at comedy shows. I've had complaints in corporate shows. But that's one job. When yeah. you're a comedian. Like if you have a television show or something, then you're you're dealing with seventy jobs. You're protecting the people who work for you. Right. If you go out and do something stupid or do something that's perceived as stupid to protect the people who work for you, maybe you have to go out and apologize mm -hmm. just to keep the machine rolling. Right. But when you're just an individual doing your thing, if they don't like me, they just won't have me next year, and I'll find another place. Right. And I, there's nothing. I mean, the best thing about doing stand-up comedy is being able to say whatever the hell you want. But then, how do you find that balance though? Because there's times where I've been at shows mm -hmm. and I'm like. I see the person on stage, and I'm like, "This has kind of become hate speech. This mm -hmm. this guy's not doing comedy right now." And that's he, your perception, you know. But like, it, he's it's at a point where he's just saying a certain group of people is awful and they stink, or like, there's no punchlines. Like, this guy's just venting. Well, like, then you're not funny, right? It's got to be more funny than it is offensive. That's always the rule for me. If it's got to be funny, you got to get laughs. Got to get laughs from everybody, right? Uh, well, not everything's got to get last from everybody, but everybody's paying attention, and you got to be true to yourself. You have to be able to look at it and say that I'm saying something that I believe in, yes. uh, that is funny, mm -hmm. uh, that hasn't been said before, probably, if, right. it, if it's at all possible, something original, right. uh, and something that's not, it's not hate speech. Right. I don't know. I don't like hate in my comedy. I, I like it to be full of joy. Yeah. I like it to be a celebration. There's oh, yeah. some guys who all they do is they go up and they complain about anything for an hour, and it's just this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. And that's not the comedy I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very negative person. So, <laughs> But really, I mean, there's no wrong way to do comedy. There's, there's an audience for all those people. You just got to find the right audience. Right. And what, well, one of, my, uh, one of my rules for myself as a comic is um, I, I do jokes that I would tell in front of one group or in front of another group. Absolutely. That's you know good, what I mean? I don't do one joke that, you know, because sometimes I'll see comics, whether they be black or white, and it's like, okay, well, I can tell this around white people, but if there's a room full of black people, that's I'm not telling that joke. Then something's wrong. Well, it's not a good joke. Something's wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my stuff is wherever I'm at. Now, if I'm at a corporate show or something, there's stuff you have to scale back, yeah. but in terms of ideas, premises, concepts, and stuff like that, I'm going to tell a joke that I'm proud of no matter where I'm at. Right. And that is, to me, the staple of, a, of good material. Especially if the idea... I mean, sometimes you take out a certain word or you take out a certain sentence or yeah. one angle. But as long as the idea is something that you're not ashamed to say in front of anybody in the world, yes. then you know you got something that you believe in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, but I want to move on to another topic because we have a limited amount of time here oh. and, and we want to hit uh, some of the big issues going on. Uh, this uh, Rachel Dolezal, uh, for those of you not familiar with her, a story uh, sparked up this week where there was a, a white woman that uh, was posing or passing as black uh but she was like president of a chapter in washington spokane washington the naacp uh a member of of some other organizations and like a professor or something like that mm -hmm. right and she she was doing all this passing as black she claimed that she was black claimed that she was black like professionally uh personally uh, i think she changed her hair she was born blonde hair blue eyes 
and I, we saw some photographs where she 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 sort of uh, different worlded up her hair. Right. Uh, I, I don't know. That's what it looked like to me. Uh, it's just it's like a, it's a perm and a dark color. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's. That's fascinating that, that that's an option. And she's catching a lot of heat. That's another interesting thing, too. Yeah, she's it's, she's catching a lot of heat and was outed by her parents. Yes. Her parents told on her. That Now, which is, you know, that is... Uh, her two white parents. Let's take a moment to make that crystal clear. Yeah. Two white parents, which could have they could have outed her just by posting a picture of themselves. <laughs> of themselves. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> she's also... Another interesting fact is she has an adopted baby brother who's black, and she's been claiming him as her son. What? Yes. Whoa! That's true. So this okay. So this woman's got a whole lot going on. With she her. does. She she is she is professionally and personally invested in being black. Now the question to me that's interesting is is that a problem? If you can be transgender, mm-hmm. uh, can you be transracial? Is is huh. is, is I think is that that's, her right? Is that her right? Is is she a black person inside of a white woman? Right. Which would wouldn't be the first time that happened. But <laughs> that, it, it, I mean, is that is that a legitimate life choice? Is that something that should be frowned upon? Is that something that everybody should do? Like, right. obviously, blackface has been frowned upon since like the 1900s. Comedically, right. you can't go out there and make a mockery. But if right. it's if you want to live your lifestyle, I mean, the, the, there's certainly a lot of white people who live like in the hip hop culture who wear mm-hmm. the, the basketball. Oh my God. I have, I should stop talking. <laughs> I, I have nothing to, to say. That's well, not well, and awful. The, well, let me tell you though, but you talk, but when you talk about those, the, the most fascinating thing about that, I don't want to get too far off on a tangent, but the most fascinating thing about that is that they, when I was coming up a teenager and stuff like that, the, the white boys, the vanilla ice types yeah, that, they, you. you know, the Kevin Federline's yes. these types, they called them wiggers. Yes. They called them wiggers. I wasn't going to say uh, that. Which, which, is the, which is a ridiculous term. Because what are you saying? All yeah. you did is replace a letter. Like, can we go African-Americans or, or wax? Like, yeah, like, can we come up with something? Now, it seems like all the other language moved forward, but wiggers went from the 50s and stayed. I, mm-hmm. Like, that should be changed. To, and again, it's derogatory. It is. It's super derogatory. Yeah. But people feel comfortable saying it. I'm like, you shouldn't be saying that. And I think with every racial group, there's something like that. I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, what I think... Like Asian Americans mm-hmm. uh, who consider their compatriots to be acting very white, mm-hmm. they would call them Twinkies. Wow, uh, something like that. Yellow on the outside, white on the inside. Whoa, uh, and, and same thing. Oreos. Uh, yeah, somebody, black guys yeah. that they say act white. Well, yeah, all yeah. that stuff is in. And I don't really understand why any of that. I mean, it's all American. It's all different aspects of American. It's it's. Yeah, I don't understand why the. Uh, why certain traits have to be labeled have to be labeled to, with certain races? Right. I think we're, we should be almost past that. Right. And the obvious connotation is that there's some there's something negative about that. Exactly. Which is why we need to come up with a pejorative term for it. Right. Uh, but if we are what we claim to be, which is a melting pot and everything else, there should be the free exchange of culture and ideas and everything else. That shouldn't really be an issue. Precisely. I think it's a positive thing, but people label it this way. So this this woman uh, in this case, it also I don't know if, I don't know if this is a sign of racial progress or not the fact that we because i remember a time when a whole lot of black women were trying to pass as white exactly but now we got a white one this have has been black in and this country successfully and successfully professionally have we gotten to a place now in america where it's like beneficial to be black are we there at least are one we person there? thinks so at one person so. thinks that she will have a better life as a black woman than she would as a white woman right uh, and and that is fascinating she's, to me. she's an activist you gotta admire that yes uh, she's fighting for rights yes that's good uh, but she also spends a lot of time black Blogging uh, about how people are racist against her, as a white woman who's uh, because she's because as a black think, woman because they think she's black, they are treating her poorly. 
Right. Uh, poorer than they would if she was looked as white. She. <laughs> It just seems it seems exhausting. Well, we saw the we saw the pictures of her, and I, I mentioned earlier. There's a little bit of willful blindness going on no here question. because when I look at that picture, I quickly that's a white woman. What mm-hmm. are we talking about? And then I saw the article, and I'm like, oh, people wanted to believe that she maybe because she was such a positive for the yeah. social agenda. She had a little bit like, of makeup on, but it wasn't like it wasn't like uh, Al Jolson makeup. It was like uh, right. snooky makeup. It well, was just it was slightly because you slightly darker because you know there was a couple brothers at the NAACP men. That's a white woman. Uh, that's, uh, that's a white woman up there. But it's like she's such a force and so helpful and president of the chapter that nobody's confronting her That's the amazing part. President of the chapter. President of the NAACP so She had chapter. to rise up the ranks. She had to get elected. Not a great look for the NAACP. I will say that. Not a great look. Uh, it's been a rough year because they had the thing where they gave Donald Sterling an award right before oh, his yeah. stuff came out. Oh, they, a yeah. Lifetime Achievement Award to a housing discriminator and somebody just a, that... Just occurred to me like they advanced player. the wrong person. They, they advanced that, yeah. Yeah, they definitely advanced. They was National Associated Advancement of Crappy People is oh, what that wow. became. Wow. Yeah, very crappy but people. But she might just be a great person who, for some reason, feels the need. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious if that's going to be the next big minority. The thing I don't like, though, is I don't like uh, – like okay, I understand adopting parts of a culture, and that's fine. Sure. But people do this cultural hokey pokey where they put their right foot in, but then they take it back out. So you got your white <laughs> friends that'll go, uh, uh, yeah, well you know, I'm I'm down and I'm this and I'm that until it goes to a, a, apply for a loan or a mortgage, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, I don't want that part of it. I don't want that part of it. Or if it comes to police brutality, I don't want that part of it. Mm-hmm. I just want the dancing and the hanging out. I don't want that other hard shit. I'd want the parts of the black that are fun and light, but I don't want that, you know. Educational, don't give me that. I want the fun parts. Do you think that we'll ever reach as a culture just one thing? Uh, just, we're all just one. Like I think, I think uh, everybody. And now that we've finally gotten past uh, all the fear against interracial marriages and inter, mm-hmm. I mean that was illegal a certain number of years ago. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. And now it's extremely common. I think almost all. My, I, I have a white kid, but I think he's going to be one of the last ones. I really <laughs> he do. Might be one. I, of I the think last it's ones. a genetic imperative. I think yeah. it's you, you naturally want to mate with somebody who is different than you. Right. Uh, and I think that. Three generations from now, everybody's going to look pretty similar. You're not going to be able to point at who's who and which parts of which culture. How are they going to break themselves up in the future? Well, I tell you, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I think you're right, number one, genetically. I think that that's going to happen. It's an imperative. But then it's like in a capitalist economy, like you need – gradations and levels and separating folks somehow mm-hmm. i mean that was that's what people mistake about these some of these hate groups and stuff a lot of stuff was economic yeah you know a lot of the the, the clan and some of these groups were started because of economics Absolutely. and it's like you had a bunch of poor people that uh they say oh well they're taking the jobs from us like they did in, in germany with with jews and everything else it's like hey uh, i'm poor and i'm broke but i'm not a jew you know they make it about that mm-hmm. and they get everybody fighting amongst each other when five percent has 95 percent of the wealth and that's so as long as we're a capitalist economy, I feel like there's always going to be some kind of motivation to label people and put people at separate things. Because how do you run this thing unless you have haves and have nots? And like every, how group, do you... every group always designates a lesser. Yes. There's, there's always going to be I'm better than this person. Right. Or this group of people. And so I'm just curious what's it's going to be. What are we going to do? Is if, it going to be the beige ones with big feet If we have gender the equality, feet? then we have to figure out. And then maybe transgenders who we are like. For a while now, it was homosexuality. People yeah. are, they were the problem. Now that's finally cool. Right. So now everybody, apparently a lot of people are 
up in arms about transgender. Yeah. I don't know any of them. Do you know anybody who's saying this is awful and uh, it needs to stop? Uh, yes. Do, okay, good, good. <laughs> I know, I know I, I, particularly in, in, in the churches and some of these places yes, like they this. Don't let it's me an in. abomination and it's yeah. this and it's that. Really? They're blaming Obama? Yeah, they're blaming that's Obama. It's an abomination. Oh. <laughs> man, he's they getting, blame him for everything. He's man. getting crap for everything. <laughs> he's only got to deal with it for a few more months. But uh, they, yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's ridiculous. But um, yeah. It, so it's, it's it'll be interesting to see uh, what direction this all goes in because that's had an effect on comedy too. I mean, uh, you you definitely have this thing uh, when the Caitlyn Jenner, uh, Bruce Jenner sort of thing came out. Comedians, it was like, oh, you don't joke about that. You know, people were Why saying the hell that. Hell not. I. Listen, I to me, I think that people they have trouble making the distinction. Mm-hmm. You can respect someone's choice, absolutely, and still be able to make fun of them for whatever reason. Like I can respect uh, Caitlyn Jenner's right mm-hmm. to uh, be a woman. I can have a hundred percent respect that right, yeah. but also think it's hilarious exactly. that one of America's greatest Olympic athletes. Uh, looks like Kathy Griffin now. There That's hilarious that. to me, and and it's like you can have a respect for his choice. Like I see guys, you know, um, the best comedy is rooted in respect. It's rooted in respect. You just you observe it. You yeah. uh, you respect almost everything. Like I tell a guy, look, I respect your your right to be gay, and and to me, being gay is not a choice. But yeah. that pair of pants you put on—that's a choice. Absolutely. That's that was a choice with the whole cutout with the thigh meat coming mm-hmm. out. That's hilarious on you with your leg muscles. That's funny, mm-hmm. and that was a choice for you to wear that. So you know, I I feel like there's a distinction that can everything be made. is fair game. There is nothing that can't be joked about if you joke about it the right way. Absolutely, that's that's a hundred percent the single most important rule in comedy, as far as I'm concerned. That's we're the only ones who have that rule. Right. I mean, politicians can't talk about everything. No. Uh, sportscasters, newscasters, anybody. Only comedians have carte blanche to talk about anything we want. I've always looked at comedy as like the last bastion of free speech. Absolutely. In this country. Yeah, I I, I think that's a hundred percent accurate. So, uh, well, uh, Johnny, uh, had an amazing time with you here. Always man. a pleasure. Hope yeah. to do it again soon. Absolutely. We'll definitely do it again soon. Uh, and that's about it from us. Thank you all for listening to the Comedy Zone podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. The Comedy Zone podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the NC Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone podcast are Brian Hepburn, Lisa Barr, and Brian Baltashevitz. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever.